I want you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, and go to verse 26. And as you're turning, uh, getting to that passage of Scripture, I do want to just say a little bit of who I am. I mentioned my wonderful wife, uh, Emily. We planted a church uh, in Arizona together in Flagstaff. In fact, we've planted three churches. Uh, and so the wonderful church that we pastor, Bridge Church, is uh, thriving and growing and wonderful. But we'll talk a little bit about that later. But we've been married for 17, going on 18 years uh, we have our two-year-old daughter that we tried for 14 years to get pregnant. We have five miscarriages. So uh, my two-year-old, our little two-year-old is a miracle. And my wife is a champ. And she is incredible. She did, she did 685 shots uh, to get Adelaide here. And I'm not talking about these shots. I'm talking about these shots in the belly. And so uh, she is incredible. And so she's phenomenal. We planted the church together. We do ministry together. We do life together. And she is pregnant right now uh, with our second, our baby boy on the way. And so uh, we're just through the roof. God has blessed us so much. And uh, I am a very, very blessed man. And yes, I am turning 40 very soon. Okay, let's jump right into the word, and then I'll share as much as I can with you tonight, just to make sure I leave as much of a deposit as I can into your hearts, your minds, your soul, because you guys came out in the rain. You guys came out in the cold. In Flagstaff in northern Arizona, we live up in the cold in the mountains where we get several feet of snow, and these kind of services, we just call them the frozen chosen, and so we just know y'all are the real saints, and all the people who stayed home, we're just praying for them sinners, uh, but this group right here, y'all are believers in the faith to, to bear that weather and get out here for a trunk or treat night for all the wonderful things that are going to happen. But here in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, the, the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia, is beginning. It's in this beautiful stage uh, that all of a sudden they were called to stay in Jerusalem for the dunamis of God to be poured upon them, the power of God. And when they got the Holy Spirit, they all started camping out. They saw 3,000 people. They said, we're not going anywhere. We got a good thing going. And all of a sudden, the stoning of Stephen took place, right? And it scattered. it's, it's going to scatter. It's going to scatter all of them everywhere. And as they get ready to be scattered everywhere, Peter's going to go, and he's going to go towards Jaffa. And we're going to see Paul begin to wonder where he should go. And all of a sudden, Paul's going to begin his journey. And all the disciples are being told by the Holy Spirit where to go, and they're going to accomplish the mission of what God called them to do. And, and listen, the reason I want to share all that is because it's almost like every single one of them decided to go somewhere different. And they were all used to being together, and all of a sudden now they got to go, and now they got to make it happen, and they got to they got to figure out how to not only make it happen, but make it happen on their own. And they got to go, and they got to figure out how a family is going to work for family, how it's going to because some of them were married, some of them had kids, and they're going to figure out how ministry goes, and they're going to figure out how to build the church, and they're going to figure out how to go into different nations that don't like them, don't know them, don't want them, and build the kingdom of God. And as they step out, guess what? They have to be able to be in harmony with the Holy Spirit to accomplish the assignment that God has them on this earth for. And this is what I want you to title tonight's message. It's harmony in motion. Because harmony is this place of agreement, this place of unity. And harmony and agreement and unity is really easy when everything is going the way you want it and it stops and stands still and you're able to find your inner peace. 
right? This new society, it's not new, I shouldn't say that, but this new place of a lot of people, they just want to find, they want everything to stop. They want to meditate, they want to focus, they want life to cease. I want to, but let me just tell you, you don't just stop being a man, you don't just stop being a woman, you don't stop being, uh, have to go to show up to work, show up and be a husband, show up and be a father, show up and do all the, all. you can't just say, hey, I'm done being a husband for a while, I got to find harmony and inner peace. You got to be able to find harmony on on the move, harmony in motion. Because when it's just it, when it's motionless, I mean, yeah, maybe that's easy. Maybe it's even easier when you don't have anything going on. But that's not how life works. Can I get a better amen? It's life kind of keeps going. Life keeps moving. Life happens. Cars burn down on the side of the highway. In Jesus' name, pray for your pastor and his family. And then you, you see all this all this in motion, but yet you got to find a place of saying, okay, how can I live in peace? How can I have harmony? How can I have unity? How can I have agreement? not only with myself, but with the Holy Spirit and with the people around me and where God's calling me. How do I do this? I want you to write this first thing down. Uh, we're a note-taking church at Bridge Church, and let me just tell you, a short pencil's been in a long memory. Uh, Pastor Tim Ross says that a, a lot, but let me just tell you, uh, I believe that when you take what God is saying to you seriously, he'll start taking what you're saying seriously. And so take sharp, good, wonderful notes, anything you can write down. And this first point that I want to give you is just simply this. Harmony is a decision Harmony is not anything mysterious. Harmony is just choosing. I'm choosing to be in harmony. The way they're able to sing up here is to be able to say, I'll sing my part and I'll sing in harmony and we'll sing the same songs. It's choosing to do what they were called to do. And, and, and heart, finding agreement wherever God's calling you, however God's calling you, it's going to be a decision first based process. And, and then I'll give you this even further. The bridge between disappointment and destiny is just decision. It's nothing mysterious. It's nothing miraculous. It's just like the prodigal son who finally made a decision and said, I'm going to go home to the father. You just got to be able to start saying, I'm going to make a better decision today. I'm going to look better. I'm going to feel better. Ten years, ten years ago, I was 30 years old. And I, let me just tell you, I think I look better today than I did back then. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, you look better than you did last week. Now turn to the other one you didn't turn to and say, just ask me next week. Keep getting better. Keep making decisions. Keep, keep stepping out and saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose. I'm going to choose harmony. I'm going to choose agreement. When, when you start moving to this, you're going to start moving to a place where you can have harmony and motion, where life doesn't have to stop for you to find a place of peace. Can I just speak to somebody's heart who's waiting for the world to stop and the economy and the world wars and the, all the stress and all the things going all, all around you? To just, you're waiting for them to subside and everything to come to a halt. And when it finally gets calm, then I'll find harmony. Then I'll find agreement. Then I'll find peace. And that's not how peace works. Jesus said, I didn't come to give peace as the world gives. And when you step into a place of harmony, it's going to be a place of decision. Agreement is going to just simply be, I'm going to find agreement because I'm going to choose the right decisions. I'm going to choose to be in agreement with my pastors. I'm going to choose to be in agreement with my boss. I'm going to choose to be in agreement with my family. I'm going to choose to be in harmony. And Philip, in this place, in this wonderful passage of Scripture, is going to have to do this at an accelerated rate. And in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a hot place right now. This is the desert. I want you to underline this is desert right there, because that's very important. Philip, he comes from Bethsaida, which means a house of fishermen. And so when you're coming from a house of fishermen, and your main skill is what? Fishing. Shouldn't you just be called to another lake? 
How many of you know people who live on a lake or live near the river? It's like a different world. They don't live on the same time. They don't live on the same schedule. They don't live according to everything else. We have a campus now. We just launched our second campus, five and a half years old, and God gave us this wonderful 30,000 square foot property, 200 parking spots, 700 people that are already attending the church, and it's already growing and thriving. And this month, for our two locations, we've already baptized over 100 people in October. Come on, let's give God praise. God is faithful. But I know one thing in that lake town, in Lake Havasu, it's a different world. They live on a different place. It's a different kind of people. And, and, and when you're talking about like people who are skilled with fishermen, shouldn't you call the fishermen to the water? Shouldn't you call the fishermen to a lake? Shouldn't you call the fishermen to other fishermen? Shouldn't you call him to a familiar place that he could reach people and speak the same language? But God doesn't call Philip to the place where he's familiar. God calls him to a place where it contradicts his giftings. I want, to write, I want you to write this down. Harmony is finding peace in contradiction. It's finding harmony in the place where God has called you. God has called you to a specific place. And sometimes that place is a place of contradiction. It doesn't feel like I fit in. It doesn't feel like I'm getting used to my fullest. It doesn't feel like my giftings are being noticed. It doesn't feel like my talents are being recognized. It doesn't feel like I'm being called somewhere where I can really shine my best. It feels like I'm just another person here. It feels like there's all these things where you could say, well, I don't know if I'm in the right place because I think I should be called here. I think I should be here. I think I should go there. I think I should do that. And God's calling you to a place where sometimes it's a place of contradiction. It doesn't make sense. Why would God take a boy born in Maine, grew up in Texas? I mean, I'm talking about I love Texas so much growing up here in Texas, so much in Dallas that I didn't even like California burritos because I said that is the devil. And it's Texas hook'em horns versus USC. How many know the old school rival days? And you're talking about those major rival days where I was like, that's it. I bleed Texas, baby. I love it. And then God calls me to Arizona. And I'm like, what am I doing here in the middle of nowhere in this desert? And I'm going to Bible college. And, and then after that, God says, okay, I want you to plant the first church. And we plant it in Lake Havasu. And then God calls me to northern Arizona. And I go to northern Arizona, and it is very different. I get there, and people tell me, this is a pastoral burial ground. Welcome to your grave. That's literally, I, I, do you want to know where I was at when I heard that? I was at a pastor's prayer time. When I got there, they said, hey, this is one thing you need to know. And I'm like, one thing? You just told me I'm going to die here. And then guess what? Churches don't grow here. Churches don't thrive here. No church reaches over 250. No church worships here. Be prepared for your front rows never to be filled and no one to be ex excited or enthusiastic in their worship. If you don't know this already, I'm going to teach you something new in Greek. Uh, entheos is the root word of enthusiastic, which means God within. So the reason you worship enthusiastically, or you should, is because you have God within. When you don't have God within, well, then it's very difficult to, to really raise the roof in a place. Can I get a better amen to get excited about it? The reason I can get up here and talk like I'm in a Hot Wheels commercial is because I have the enthusiasm of the Holy Spirit in me, and God's got something great for you that he wants you to leave here for or leave here with, and let me just tell you, it's with passion and purpose in the place that God has called you to, and that place will feel like contradiction at times to say, what are we doing here? And when I got there and they told me all these things, I said, the devil is a liar. Because guess what? The reason God brought this boy here is because I know how to build that thing that you said doesn't happen here. And so it may not speak your language, but I might be counterculture in the moment. And now, five and a half years later, guess what? We have a church that fights for the front rows. We have 1,300 people who attend Bridge Church. And we have seen 500 people give their lives to Jesus this year alone. And I'm telling you, God is faithful even in the place 
place of contradiction. Oh, I want to talk. I want to preach. I want to get on fire tonight because God will put you in a place that feels like it doesn't make sense. That feels like, what are you doing here? How can you do this? God told me when I got to Flagstaff, it's the gateway to the Grand Canyon. He said, you could reach the world from here, Landon. And my wife and I, as we built this church, I said, God, show me how we can reach the world. And we had all these people coming from just to see the Grand Canyon, just to go to NAU, our Northern Arizona University. And then they would come and then they would go. They would come and they would go. I'm like, how are we supposed to reach people if this is how it's gonna be so transient? And then all of a sudden, God gave my wife a great idea called Church in a Box. And now what we did is we created Church in a Box that every time somebody comes and visits our church just to check it out, and they're coming through, they said, oh my gosh, I love this church. I'm really on fire for Jesus again. I wish I had a place like this back where I live. Here's Church in a Box. Take it home, and you can make a home church. We now have 44 home churches around the world, and we have planted over 150 churches in the first five years that God has put us there, and we are reaching so many wonderful people for the glory of God all around the world. Why? Because God put me in a place that didn't make sense. Don't always look for the place that just makes sense, fits good, and is easy. Those usually aren't the roads you're meant to pave. Because if it's already paved for you, you're not doing anything new. And if you're not doing anything new, how can God work through you? God needs to, God needs to use you to pave and do something new, work something new, grow something new, build that marriage like it's, you could have never possibly dreamed or imagined because it's a new place. And then right after that, it says, so he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of, her, of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. I want you to write this next little word down. I'm gonna, they're all peace, so place, and the next one is person. Sometimes doesn't call, God doesn't call you to people. Sometimes God just calls you to a person. Everybody say person. God will call you to a person, just one person. And let me just tell you, one person can change the trajectory of your life. When I was an athletic director in Arizona, I was, I was growing up athletic programs and all, all this for high schools. And, and as I was doing that, I, I, I was terrible at it. <laughs> I wasn't very good. I started a football team, and guess what? We lost every game that first year. Come on, y'all need to like at least, oh, poor guy, like just stretch your hand out and start praying something. I, 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 every game, we got mercy. Then the, I was like, okay, basketball is my bread and butter. That's what I played. I'll do that. Let's, we'll launch basketball. We started basketball, and guess what? We lost every game. And then, and then I was like, okay, let's, 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 let's try this out. This, they're known for baseball. Let's get going with baseball here because the Diamondbacks are going to win. And, and if they're known for baseball, let's get baseball going. I started baseball, and guess what? We got, we got mercy ruled every baseball game. And then I'm, I'm up there. I don't even know how to play baseball. I've never played baseball, but I'm trying to teach them how to play baseball, and I'm up here, and I'm trying to recruit coaches, and I got my bat up there, and I'm like, I'm going to teach them how to, how to hit a ball. So I'm like, just, just underhand it to me. I'm telling a player, just underhand it to me. I'm going to teach you how to swing. I'll just get a good athletic stance. I stand up here. I'm getting ready to swing. And then I strike out trying to teach them how to swing a bat with an underhand softball toss. And as I'm struggling for my life, worried about my job and my future and my family, because I just bought a house since I got a job and all this stuff is happening. I'm, I'm, and there's this one guy who's sitting over here. He's on the fence and he's got, he works for a gas company. He's like, Hey, yeah. Uh, you, you look like you could use some help. I'm like, well, no, duh, bruh. Like, I walked over to him, and I was like, hey, yeah, I, I could. he's just an uncle of one of the players. He's like, I could help you if you want. I was like, yeah. I invited him in there, one person. I invited him in there, 
And then all of a sudden, he started helping me coach. He started helping me coach. The next year, we went 500. The next year, we went undefeated. The next year, we went undefeated. I have multiple state championship rings undefeated. And I'm telling you, just because of one guy that I said, hey, let me just invite you in. Now, that's not even the good part of the story. The good part of the story is that wonderful man ended up coaching so well that he went on to send kids to the pros and went and coached at a pro level anyway. And he became a pro coach in the MLB. And then that wasn't even the good part. That was wonderful. I thought that was really fun. But the best part about it all, I worked on his butt for three and a half years every day in the bus ride. Hey, you want to go to church with me? Hey, you want to go to church with me? Hey, 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 great game. Yeah, I'm glad we won. You want to go to church with me? Hey, we got a trunk or treat. You want to go to church with me? Hey, we got a Christmas project. You want to go to church with me? Hey, we got we, we got a killer worship team. You want to go to church with me? And for three and a half years, all of a sudden he come in and he decided one Sunday, he's going to, Wednesday night, he came on a Wednesday night. And then the next Sunday, he brought his whole family. The next Sunday, he brought the, the rest of the family. The next, all of a sudden, the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles started coming, and, and he got his whole family on fire and saved for Jesus, flipped it all around to the point now where my campus pastor for one of my main campuses that's changing the world is, is the uh, niece of that wonderful man because I just decided I'm going to keep working on this one guy. And he, this is all I got, but I'm going to work on you because guess what? You may change the trajectory of my life because God may not call me to everybody, but he did call me to the person sitting next to me. He did call me to the person on the other side of that cubicle. He did call me to the one person. Many of us are always looking for the masses only to try to search and find the one. But if you look for the one, the one could lead you to the masses and God will lead you to one person at a time to change the world. And I could share story after story. I went in and said, hey, let me serve you to our wonderful uh, uh, chief at our police department. How can I serve you? And now I am the leadership liaison for the entire police force of northern Arizona. And I just said, how can I serve you? How can I minister to you? I went and did the same thing with a deputy warden at one of our prisons. How can we serve you? I just want to serve you. How can I do it? She didn't like God. She didn't believe in church. She didn't live the lifestyle of Christ. She didn't do any of those things. But she said, okay, I'll let you. And all of a sudden now we, we have have a prison ministry in every prison in the state of Arizona, and we stream into every prison in the state of Arizona because we decided, let's go serve one person at a time. And my goal to you is for you to walk away and say, how can I get in harmony with the one, not with the many? We're all looking for the many. Let's influence the many. Let's get the many. No, let's just work on one person at a time and how we can help change their life because their life may change the world. And you may not have known this, but I'm going to teach you some history. Ethiopia has the, uh, the longest standing Christian churches of any nation in history. They've been worshiping Jesus for almost 2,000 years in churches that are still standing today. It was the first Christian nation in the world, all because he decided to go witness to this one man. And many of us, we look at the one, and it doesn't look like it could be the one. We look at the one, and we disqualify because they don't, this is a eunuch. This was a slave. How could he change anything? How could you, and some of us, we automatically look at people that God has brought alongside us. Let me just tell you, I mean, this is just what I learned in coaching. You're not qualified to take a seven to a 10 if you haven't learned how to take a zero to a three. If you can learn how to train and how to develop and how to encourage somebody, I know this is kind of practical stuff, but, but if you can work with somebody, witness to somebody and say, hey, let's just get you to learn who, uh, and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You don't need to carry a Bible yet. You don't need to learn all the scriptures yet. Hey, can we just get you into the door? Can we get you into a church? Witness to one person at a time. Because let me just tell you, your witness is your greatest warfare. 
And it's one of your greatest assignments here on earth. If you've lived for Jesus longer than the amount of people that you've witnessed to, you might need to go back and revisit what you're spending your time on. Because you ought to have more people than you do years. You ought to have more lives that you've impacted. One person that you could constantly pour into and say, I'm just going to witness on you and focus on you and what God can do and how I can minister and what, what, how God can use me for just one person at a time. And God will take that and open up doors of opportunity that you could never have imagined. God opened up amazing opportunities for our church in phenomenal ways simply because we just said, it's all about the one. It's all about one person. It's all about looking at them and saying, that's why I wrote the book called Significant. And I didn't bring it. I didn't, it's not out there in the lobby. This isn't like a book plug. Uh, but I wrote the book called Significant, Discovering, Defining, Directing Your Purpose. Why? Because I, right here, you're looking at a man who struggled constantly with his security, with his value, with wondering, am I important enough? And when God taught me that I'm valuable, all I can see is how valuable every other person is. It's easy to see value when you know value. It's easy to see greatness when you know greatness. It's easy to be able to look at somebody and say, you're too important to leave you where you are. You're meant for more than that. You're meant for something greater. And God called him to go witness to this Ethiopian. And then it says this, verse 29 Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? So let me just talk to you. Before he overtakes the chariot, before he gets in, he's running alongside the chariot and he's listening to him read Isaiah as he's running with him. He's running alongside the chariot. I don't know about you, but I'm not a cardio guy. Where's my other people who are, hey, come on, amen. Where are my taco people at? Y'all know. I'm not, I'm not a cardio guy, but I, 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 we have a lot of Olympians that go to our church because we live at 7,000 feet, so a ton of runners. Man, they always make me feel awful. Oh, they come in They come in Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Oh, just got a little running. What do you mean by little, sucker? And they were like, oh, I just did 13 miles. I just did 20 miles. You know, I just ran up the mountain and back. I'm like, oh, my gosh, y'all make me tired just listening to you. Please sit in the back row. Sit, sit in the back row. Don't make any noise. <laughs> And these runners, they run, they run, they run, they run. And I feel awful every time I see them because I'm like, I, I got I to start running. Because at 7,000 feet, let me just tell you, you lose your breath quick. And all I hear in this story is if this guy running beside a chariot, and he's running beside a chariot listening to him read Isaiah, and then he starts explaining what Isaiah means as he's reading. And he's talking with him, having a whole conversation. How many can't get five words out? Running at full pace with the chariot. And, and, and this is a huge, huge piece because many of us, let me just tell you, you got to find harmony in your pace that God has called you to. Because in the summertime, I can guarantee you one thing. You're saying, oh, it's going by too fast, right? Where's my summertime people? Wait, just counting down the days. Maybe you're just already counting down till Christmas vacation. And then when school season sits, it's, it settles in. The work is settling in, everything. Oh, the weeks, Monday. Oh, it goes by so 
slow. And we're, we always want tell, we want to tell God, speed up the work week, slow down in summer. We want to tell him, speed up here, slow down here. I'm, ne- I'm never satisfied with the pace that God has given me. And let me just tell you, you got to find harmony in the pace that God has called you to. Because when the children of Israel were only told to go around once, they needed to obey. When they were told around to pick up the pace and go six times, they had to obey. And let me tell you, when God tells you to slow down, some of you who just always want to be busy need to learn the pace that God has graced you for. Because it might be setting you up for what is next. And some of you who are moving at a fast pace and you're saying, God, slow down. God didn't ask you to run that race because you couldn't. He knows you can run it and you can win it. But you got to start saying, God, don't shrink my plate. Don't take stuff off my plate, but expand my plate. Help me be able to keep up with the pace that you grace me for with my wife, with my kids, with my family, with my calling, with my business. Don't tell me. Don't let me tell you when to slow down and speed up. God, grace me. Help me get in harmony with that pace that you've graced me for because God may want to accelerate you. Are you okay with God accelerating your pace? How about to your dream, to your destiny, to your goal? That means you might have to pick up the pace a little bit, run a little bit faster and still get everything done. And God can grace you for every minute of that when you get in harmony with his pace. You get peace in that pace. You get patience in that pace and you get persistence in that pace. You're able to step into there and say, okay, God, you called me to a place where I I need to have grace in this. I need to have harmony in this. I don't need to constantly be asking you to slow down, speed up, slow down, speed up. And and let me just tell you, after 14 years of trying to have kids and five miscarriages, do you ever think I was saying, God, you better hurry up now? I'm not preaching at you. What I'm telling you is I know dreams and I know aspirations and I know goals and I know a lot of things that I'm like, God, why is it happening now? Pastor Craig and Shannon, can I get an amen? Why is this happening now? Why, why haven't I gotten this? Where's the building? Where's the, where's the, where's what, what, God, why have we gotten this? Why haven't we done this? God gave me a second location before I was able to expand the first location. God gave, God grew me in different ways that I couldn't even possibly comprehend. And, and, and now as God continues to do that, I got to be able to say, okay, God, you graced me for this. You called me to this. How do I have a harmony in this? And as the band comes or our keyboard player comes up here, keyboard or piano, I love the old school piano, uh, uh, I, I want to just encourage you to simply have a peace for that pace. Have a patience in that pace. And have a persistence to say, okay, I'm not gonna, I don't need to slow down. Did you know that usually in training, in training, your mind will tell you that you're done 60% before you're actually done? 60%. You can go 60% further More, and our mind wants to say we can't. There were many times over the years that I said, I can't. I can't, God, I can't do this. I served other pastors and ministers and leaders, and I I worked in church. I've been preaching since I was 18 years old, and I would do baby dedication after baby dedication. I'd lay hands on babies and families. I'd have families come down to me as their pastor and say, Pastor, I can't believe it, crying, miserable, mad, angry. We're pregnant again, and pray for them and pray God's peace and grace and mercy over them, wondering, God, why have you robbed us of this opportunity to receive the miracle of a child? And for those of you who are like, you should have just adopted. Let me tell you, thank you for your judgment. But also, we did do, we did do adoption. We did do a lot of things. And we graduated those kids. There was a couple of high schoolers. Kids, they, they grew up with us. We graduated them. They went and played sports, did awesome, doing wonderful. But, but let me tell you, I, I had to find pace. I had to find the pace that God was calling me to run and have peace in it, have harmony. Some of you, you want everything to slow down right now. And other things to totally speed up. 
And let me just tell you, God's saying, I've got it this way for a reason. I need you to be okay with the pace that I've graced you for. The last, last little thing that I want to share with you, I don't want to be too long and take up more than I'm allotted here tonight, is Philip begins to speak to him about the book of Isaiah and Jesus, the Messiah to come. And I love that because this wonderful man who went to worship now is being ministered to by Philip while he's running beside the chariot. And as he hears him talking about Isaiah, I want you to hear this. As he hears the man wondering, what does this mean? What does this mean? The Bible, Christianity, Jesus, faith, belief. What does this mean? Philip asked him, he says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I? And what he didn't do is he didn't say, hey, oh, you know what you need to know? Christians don't go to Target. Christians don't go to Disney World. Christians do. And he, they, all of a sudden, he didn't start going on a rant about what he feels and what he thinks or what was common for the time or what, was, what somebody else had preached about or what somebody else talked about, what the latest podcast was or what the latest sermon was or what the latest quote was and tweet was and post was, what the latest world topic was. He talked about what was going on in that man's heart in that moment, that God had already spoken a word in him and all he needed was somebody to come alongside and say, is there a faith in you that needs to be ignited because I can encourage the faith that has begun in you. I don't need to preach judgment or condemnation or my own perspective, but I need to get in harmony with what God is calling me to preach. And it's probably less about my will and more about his word that he already began to speak in you. Because when God calls you to that person, it means that God's already been talking to them and he doesn't need your words. He needs his word. Oh, church, can you hear me tonight? Before I leave, can you just grab one thing, get in harmony with what God is saying over them, not with what your will is for them. They say, you know what? Hey, I, I just want to get in harmony with what God is saying to my friends and my family and my church and my, my, my co-worker and where God has called me. I need to be able to speak into the faith and the belief and the hope and the love and the joy. Something's igniting. And I need to speak into their purpose. My father, uh, when I was nine years old, I got in a car accident. <clears throat> and I say car accident honestly, lightly, because it wasn't a car accident. I wasn't in a car. I was on a sled, and I lived in Maine, and I went sledding uh, on a snow day. Came down to the end of the driveway, thought my friends, parents were gone just like my parents, right? Got to the end. All of a sudden, there was a car there. I was nine years old. How many remember back in the day, like the good old days, with the, the hellishly uh, unsafe, round, metal, straight from the pit, sleds. Anybody, come on, you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and I was on that sled, buttered up, ready to go, and just flew down that drive. I didn't know what I was doing, so I grabbed a hold of, the, grabbed a hold of it. I hit throat first in the bumper, and I broke my, my trachea about that. I broke a piece of my trachea out. And when I broke my trachea, I began to panic. And I couldn't, right? I could breathe in, but I couldn't breathe out. So now the air's being trapped. My throat swelled out to the size of my shoulders. My, my chest started to pop up, bubble like bubble wrap. And all of a sudden, the, then a friend that happened to be there, uh, in fact, it was an uncle, came out and, and, and did an emergency tracheotomy, stabbed my throat, let the air escape, barely made it to the hospital alive. They operated on me. They put the tracheotomy, the box in my throat. The doctor was standing at the foot of my bed. I was nine years old, told my father right in front of my face. He said, hey, your son, 
will never speak on his own again. And maybe one day with the advancement of technology, he may breathe on his own again. Maybe. My father said, thank you. Because my father knew one thing right then and right there. That my son already has a word from God that was spoken over him before he even got here. And that word contradicts his word. So now my father didn't come to the hospital bed and stand beside me and say, oh God, why? With all the things going on in this world and what's going on with your, my wife and my kids and now he's here and he didn't sob, he didn't mourn, he didn't weep, he didn't complain, he didn't gripe, he didn't get frustrated. All he did is he said, God, you called my son with a purpose and I am not calling my will, I'm calling your word over his life to come alive and I pray it and declare it. My father prayed over me all night long and fell asleep over me praying. And the next morning I sat up out of my bed and for the first time in three days, all of a sudden this, this box rolled to my lap. And there's no, no hole, no scar. First nurse comes in because all the alarm's going off. She says, what is going on? Are you okay? First time in three days. Yeah, I'm fine. What's going on? I responded in my own voice, my own breath. Second nurse, this is why I still hate needles to this day, runs in with a needle, stabs me in the leg, didn't ask me how I was feeling, puts me to sleep, rushes me into the emergency room. They cut me back open. And the only reason I have a scar today, when they opened it back up, the piece that I had broken was missing. I was no longer missing. I had been completely healed in the name of Jesus. Yeah, you could give God a big worthy praise. God is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today. I could share story after story. That's just my personal when I was nine. Two years ago, I walked into a hospital room with a man who tried to take his life, blew out the back right side of his brain, and yet he was in a coma, and so he was still alive. I walked into the hospital room. Is it okay that I take a minute? I walked into that hospital room, and the family, an uncle, it was just a relative, they invited me to the hospital, and he said, hey, Pastor Lane, come on, we're, I'm gonna take you to the hospital room. He tried to take his life. His 17-year-old girl found him. You gotta come over here and pray for them. As he's leading me, he's dragging me to the hospital, I'm, I'm, it's the middle of the night. I'm going to the hospital. He pulls me in there. He says, by the way, he goes, before we get in there, all these people hate church and they don't like God. Whew. And through, I was like, what am I doing here? I was mad. I was like, God, I shouldn't be here. And the Holy Spirit said, you speak hope, faith, and love. Okay. Okay. Let's start with love. So I went around him. Hey, do you need anything? Hey, my name's Landon. Yeah, I'm a pastor, but do you need anything? How can I help you? How can I help you? I got to the 17-year-old daughter. I remember it like it was yesterday. Tears coming down her face. And I said, hey, you know what, honey? It's okay. I know it seems really bad right now where dad's at. But there's hope. And all of a sudden, 20-plus people in this room got quiet. Nobody start, everybody stops talking. Everybody starts looking at me. And I'll tell you why in a minute. They all start looking at me. And when I'm standing there, I said, yes, there's hope. So I kind of turn and open up, start talking. To them. I said, there's hope. Let me tell you why there's hope. Because we could be in a different room. This could be a different moment. But he's still alive. I said, would you allow me to pray? And all of a sudden, they all took hands. When they all took hands, I said, let's pray. We all start praying. All of a sudden, this is what happened. We said, I don't even remember what I prayed. It lasted maybe five seconds. Prayed. And I said, and everybody said, y'all know, amen. The moment they said amen, no joke, 
Stevie, he wakes up from the hospital bed, <gasps> huge bandages, everybody starts freaking out. The alarms are going, the nurse that was on watch because it was a suicide attempt, she runs, she's crying, she goes, he starts asking for water, 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 which represents the Holy Spirit, if you didn't know. And all of a sudden now, he's asking for water. I turned to the whole family who didn't love God, didn't know church, I said, who wants to receive Jesus Christ in their life right now? And they all bowed their heads, closed their eyes, gave their life to Jesus right there. Come on, can you give God a bigger praise when God is in it? There's no denying it. When you get in harmony with heaven, when you get in harmony with the person that God's called you to minister to, I may not be called to everybody. It may be a hospital room. It may be just one little boy. It may be one old man. It may be just a guy standing on the fence line of my life saying, how can I help you? There's just one person. I want you to stay standing because I'm going to close. My church knows this. They all get standing like every Sunday. I'm like, just, just, just stay there because, you know, I'm closer to the closing. But when you step into this, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing the hand, the miraculous touch of God when you get in harmony with heaven. When you get in harmony with the place. God called you to restoration. God called you to Frisco. I'm not just talking to anybody. I'm talking about to the whole church. There's a lost, there's a lost soul waiting for hope and faith and love. And all it takes is one person to find harmony in that place, harmony in that person. Harmony in that pace, sometimes it feels so busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. I don't have time to go to the hospital. And man, if they don't really believe in God and don't believe in church, there's no point in me being there. But yet God called me to be there. And God called you to step into a place as you get ready to close out this year of ministry as a church in November and December. How can you get in harmony with where God has called you? With who God has called you to? With the pace that God has called you to run and the message God has called you to share? Are you preaching more about his word than your will? Are you sharing more about his report than their report? Because God's got an anointing on you. Everybody looked at Peter and where he went. Everybody looked at Paul and where he went. But sometimes Philip is so discounted, yet Philip was the first one to change an entire nation for the glory of God. The first one to do it. And many of you, you think you're just one, but so didn't Philip. When you get in harmony with what God has called you to do and who God's called you to be, you will finally start thriving like never before. Stop running from who you're called to be. Stop running from where you're called. I want to pray with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if this message spoke to you, I want, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for harmony in your heart and your mind and your life and your family and your marriage. Some of you, you have strife in your marriage. And let me tell you right now, it's going away. You got division and discord. That's from the enemy. And it's going away. Discord is the opposite of harmony. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you're bringing a one accord, God, into every marriage, heart, and home, and family, and life. We're not going to sit there and struggle through teenage years or difficult years with kids. We're not going to struggle. God. We're not going to do that. We're called to thrive. And that's going to come from a corporate blessing of corporate harmony. And I want to pray for you. But before I do that, I want to pray for anybody who wants to receive Jesus Christ into their life. Maybe you want to rededicate your life. Maybe you need to get in harmony with heaven right now because your life on Friday and Saturday does not match the way you try to live on Sunday. 
Maybe it's because you know who Jesus is, but you've been running from who Jesus is. Maybe it's because you need to finally decide to choose and, and make that conscious decision to say, you know what, as for me and my life, I will serve the Lord. I will pursue him at all costs. I will get in harmony in my heart, in my mind, in my life, with heaven first, with Jesus first, with my relationship with God first. And if that's you, with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you want to receive Jesus Christ or rededicate your life to Jesus tonight, I hope there's a stirring conviction in you. Don't miss the moment. This is when everything changes. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand in the back. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Lord, I thank you for the hands that are raised and the hearts that are open. God, I thank you for every life that's represented here. And now, I want to pray with you. And I want everybody who raised your hand and every saint and believer under the sound of my voice to repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I'm forever yours. And I am saved. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, let's give God some big prayer. Come on, front to back, put your hands together, show some enthusiasm in Theos, God within. If you got God within you, you got to clap. You got to shout. You got to get. A quiet believer is a dying believer. A quiet church is a dying church. You'll never be able to reconcile anywhere in Scripture being silent because the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one gives their life to Jesus. All of heaven. Now, the last one I got to give you, because I don't know if I'm ever going to get invited back, so I might as well push the time limit as much as I can. I want, I want, I want to pray with you for everybody who the, this message spoke to you, but I want every head up and every eye open. And if you want harmony, harmony in anywhere of your life, harmony with heaven, harmony with your family, harmony in your business, harmony in your ministry. That harmony that says, okay, I know the world may be saying it's getting darker, but somehow I feel, I feel brighter. I know everybody says it's getting, it's getting weaker and, and worse out there, but somehow I feel stronger. Let me just tell you, I have that same feeling where everybody told me, you'll never grow a church like that. You'll never be able to thrive like that. And now all of a sudden, the, the little church in Flagstaff, that's not in Scottsdale, not in the valley, if you know anything about Arizona, just up in the mountains. Now all of a sudden, we're the most influential church in all of Arizona, and we're only a little church. We're just a, we're just a little guy. And God's using us in a powerful way because you know what? I don't have to be anybody. I just need to be his. I just need to belong to him. And as I belong to him and walk in my purpose, God will use me in an exponential, incredible way. And if that's you, if something spoke to you, that place, that pace, that word, something spoke to you. I know it did. There are many. If that's you, I want you to raise both hands. I'm going to pray with you. If that's you. If it's not, it's all good. Keep your hands down. Don't feel peer pressured. We don't want you to step into something you're not ready for. But if you're ready for harmony, raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you.
Jesus' name, I thank you for every single hand that's raised and heart that's open. Saint believer, if you got your hands raised, I want you to pray with me. God, help me get in harmony right now. If you came with your spouse as your hands are raised, take their hand. If you came with you next to your kids, take their hand too. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you. You got family around you, grab their hand. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that we're getting in harmony with heaven. We're getting in harmony, God, with the place that God has called us to. We're getting in harmony with the person and the people that God has called us to. We're getting in harmony with the pace that God has called us to. And we're getting in harmony, God, Lord, with the word and the preaching and the teaching and the message, God, Lord, that you've called us to. And Lord, I thank you, God, that through that, there's a greater prize. There's a greater promotion. There's a greater level of acceleration, just like you did with Philip. You accelerated him to revival. Lord, accelerate us, God, Lord, into revival. I thank you, God. Where there is corporate, I want all, all the church to pray with me right now. Pray for restoration. Lord, I pray right now for Restoration Church to find tremendous harmony and agreement that they might accelerate Lord, and expedite this journey and step into a place of revival, of souls being one, being baptized, being made disciples. And God, Lord, I thank you, God, that we're going to see miracle signs and wonders follow this church. And there's going to be a miraculous move of God. And Lord, we thank you. It's going to come from a place of harmony. And we receive it right now. And everybody who received it, I want you to give God some praise on credit like he's already done it. And thank him right now.